Today we are talking about peace in relationship to the Advent candle today. And really we're going to look at three aspects of peace. Um, the first one is initiation, where we have peace with God. That's how it, the peace is initiated. Peace with God, initiation. And then from there we're going to move to continuation, where we experience the peace of God. And then the final one, which is what we're all looking forward to, is glorification, where there will be eternal peace of God to be in His presence. So that's what we're going to look at today. And really, the initiation is the foundation of the whole aspect of peace. If you have a foundation that is not anchored on this foundation that I'm going to share with you this morning, you cannot possibly have the peace with God. So we're going to look at this first one here is initiation into peace with God. Um, and we're going to look at uh, this verse right here. I'm going to look at a couple other verses as well. But Isaiah 32, 17, the fruit of righteousness will be what? Peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. So the fruit of righteousness is peace. So if that is true, if the fruit of righteousness is peace, then how do I get the righteousness? Because that's the fruit of righteousness is peace. I want peace. So if I want to have that peace, how do I attain the righteousness that brings that peace? Because if you asked 100 people, you could probably get 100 different answers on how you receive righteousness. There are lots of religions that tell you, oh, this is what you have to do to have peace with God. You've got to go through all these paths. But really, how does that peace really come about? So peace is the fruit of righteousness. It is the fruit of righteousness. I cannot earn this righteousness. I cannot do good things to get this righteousness. And being at peace with God is the benefit of being justified by faith. You know, you're like, what do you mean by justified? Justified means I am declared righteous before God. The Bible says what in Romans 5.1? Therefore, being justified, declared righteous, I'm declared righteous by God. Why would God declare me righteous when I'm sinful and unholy? Why would he declare you righteous if you're sinful and unholy? The only way is through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. That's why he came, to bring that righteousness to us. So Christ's righteousness, this might be a word you're not familiar with, is imputed to us by faith. It is given to us. It is taking the righteousness of Christ, who is perfect, and he is attaching that righteousness, giving me that righteousness. Why? Because I earn it or deserve it? No. Simply, even as Matt shared in his testimony, by grace, through faith. I don't deserve it. I deserve eternal wrath, eternal hell, eternal judgment, eternal separation from God forever. But only the righteousness of Christ allows me to have a relationship Remember Matt talked about rules and relationship. Some people who try to go to church and do all these good things, but that does not put peace with God. The peace with God comes from recognizing my powerlessness 
to live a righteous life. I can't live a righteous life. You can't live a righteous life. We are powerless to live a righteous life. God comes and gives us the righteousness of Christ because we're powerless. And he does that for us. Let me just read you a verse back in Romans 5, 6. He says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Me. He died for me. I was ungodly. I was not at peace with God. I was at war with God. Why was I at war with God? Because I am sinful and unholy, and God is at war with sin. And that's why he came. The Bible says Jesus became flesh. That's why we celebrate Christmas. But he rose and grew up to die on the cross. Shed his blood that we could be in a right relationship with God. So being at peace with God is a benefit of being justified or declared righteous by faith. Now, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 3 for a moment. Romans chapter 3. There's a lot in here, and we won't be able to cover it all, but I I have to cover a few verses with us to get us to understand this foundation. Because if it's true that the righteousness of God brings peace, then I want to know how to get this righteousness and where it comes from. And it comes from Christ. He says in Romans 3.21, But now a righteousness from God... Notice it's not from man, it's not from what I do, it's not from any of that. A righteousness from God, apart from law, again, law, doing all these rules, no, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. And then look at verse 22. This righteousness from God comes how? Through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So I receive this righteousness from God by faith. I believe that God will give me that righteousness if I say, God, I'm a sinner, I'm powerless, I'm weak, I don't deserve it, but I ask you for it. By your grace, would you please give me your righteousness? And God gives it to me, not based on who I am. Paul, remember the Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul, he was Saul. He was going out having Christians taken to prison. He hated the church. He hated everything that the church stood for, everything about God he hated. He opposed. He was having Christians hauled off to prison. And this bright light shines from heaven and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? (laughs) Was Saul seeking the Lord? No. Not at all. He wasn't attending a prayer meeting. He wasn't in church. He wasn't doing anything. And God came to Saul and said, you need me. You are powerless in yourself. And God revealed himself. That is the righteousness of Christ that is given to us by faith. And Paul says, who are you, Lord? (laughs) Who are you? I don't even know who you are. You may be sitting here this morning, you're like, who in the world is the Lord? Who is God? What is this about righteousness? Come, and the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So let's look over in chapter 4, verse 3. Let's look at a human example. Abraham, 
in verse 3. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, faith, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Credited to him as righteousness. Why? Because of his faith, not by what he did. It goes on to say, now when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. God gives me that righteousness. In other words, he puts me in a right standing with God based on my faith. I say, God, I'm powerless to do anything you want me to do. I don't seek you. I don't desire you. But you have come to bring me that righteousness and to show me my sinfulness. And I accept it by faith. Look down in verse 11, Romans chapter 4. He received the sign of circumcision, talking about Abraham, a seal of the righteousness he had, how? By faith, while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised, in order that righteousness might be credited to them. Look in verse 13. It was not through law, doing works, that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the word, but through world but through the righteousness that comes by faith and then we get to Romans chapter 5 verse 1 therefore since we have been justified through faith remember justified declared righteous by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and notice it says we have been justified that's a past action we have been justified we have been declared righteous because God has given us that righteousness by faith. So what is our present state because of that past justification? Past being made right with God, past being declared righteous. He says, we have presently peace with God. If you do not have peace with God today, it's because you have not been justified yet by Christ who wants to give you his righteousness, but you have to acknowledge your powerlessness and your sinfulness and say, God, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve your righteousness, but you said you would give it to me based on my faith. I'm trusting you to give me that righteousness. And that's what he does for us. So the peacemaking is not on my side as much as it is on God's side. Because I could not be in a relationship with God unless he sent his son to die on the cross. There would be no way to end the war between me and God. Jesus made the war, the end of the war, possible through his death on the cross. There would be no end to the war. Because I can't just all of a sudden become a decent person and a good person and end the war. Jesus did that for us. In Romans 5, look over in Romans 5, verses 9 through 11. Since now we have been justified, how? By his blood. Jesus' death on the cross, the blood that he shed, allows me to be justified. What is justified again? To declare righteous. I'm able to be made righteous through the death of Jesus on the cross. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? 
For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this is so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Notice how it focuses on Christ. We have been justified by who? Christ's blood. We will be saved from God's wrath through who? Christ. We were God's enemies. We were reconciled to him through who? Christ, the death of his son. We rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We receive reconciliation. It's through Christ and Christ alone. And the human race is not divided by floors. It's not, well, all the really good people are up here. All the really bad people are way down here, and most of us are in the middle. No. We're all, the Bible says, all have sinned. All come short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. We all need the righteousness of Christ applied to us by faith when I recognize I'm a sinner. So that is the foundation for peace. You cannot have the peace of God until you are at peace with God. Do you have peace with God? That's the initiation. Let's look at the second one, continuation into the peace of God. Look in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 5. He says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and what? Peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Now, let me give you a simple illustration to help you understand. I'm an Andy Griffith fan, okay? We, our family grew up on Andy Griffith. I, I have probably half the lines memorized. And it's a wonderful show. And, but I remember one episode, little Opie is on his way to school. As he's on his way to school, he meets a bully. Imagine that. He meets a bully who wants his nickel, his milk money. He's like, hand over the nickel. I want your milk money. So what does Opie do? The kid intimidates him. He gives him his nickel. And this goes on day after day. And Opie is so fearful and frightened, he doesn't tell his father. He asks for another nickel. <laughs> and he's like, what do you want another nickel for? You know, he was too ashamed to tell him. And he goes again to school again and the bully stops him again and says give me your nickel and this time Opie gets a little more bold and he says well what if I don't give you my nickel and he says this <laughs> this is what you're gonna get and so Opie hands him the nickel and this goes on and on and on and this is a wonderful picture of the battle between the flesh and the spirit now let's turn this around for a moment Opie Let's say Opie is a Christian. 
Opie is a believer in Jesus. He wants to follow God. He wants to do what's right. So here's Opie on his way to school, the good little Christian boy, but now he meets a bully, the flesh. <laughs> and the flesh says, the sin nature says, I want your nickel. And Opie has to make a decision, and so do we. When we battle the flesh against the spirit, there is a battle going on between that. And we are going to run up against the flesh, and the flesh is going to be the bully, and the bully is going to say, you know what, I want your nickel of Christianity. Give me your nickel. I want to be in control. And we, out of fear, oftentimes, and intimidation, by the world, I want to act like the world, I want to look like the world, I want to adopt the world's philosophy, I give them my nickel. And guess what? Opie goes to school, he has nothing to wash down that peanut butter sandwich with. It's terrible. And we go on our merry way, and we give in to the flesh, and then we wonder why we don't have any peace. The peace of God. You cannot have the peace of God if you give in to the flesh. That's what Paul is saying here. Those who live according to the sinful nature, he says, the flesh, have their minds set on what that nature desires. And what does that nature desire? Everything that is contrary to God. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And then he explains, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So here's what we have. The flesh and the Spirit are in conflict with each other. And this is why people do not experience peace in their life. So we go back to the opiate illustration. The bully has his mind made up that when he meets Christian Opie, he's going to ask for the nickel. <laughs> and Opie has to make a decision. You and I have to make a decision. As we walk out these doors, we're going to face temptation. We're going to face problems, circumstances that will cause us to lose our integrity, that will challenge our morality, challenge our marriage, challenge our relationships, right? All those challenges are going to come. And it's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And if we want to experience the peace of God and continuation of the peace of God, we have to obey the spirit. That's what Paul is saying here. When Paul writes about the flesh, the sin nature and its desires... It would include what thoughts go through our mind and heart, as well as that which we do with our bodies. So let's look again. He talks about the sinful nature. What does the sinful nature compose? What does the sinful nature do? It is hostile to God. That's what we just read a moment ago. It is hostile to God. Why is it hostile to God? Because it embraces idolatry. What does idolatry do? It worships and serves and loves other things rather than God. Something other than God is worshipped. And so that is hostility toward God. What did the Israelites do when they got in the wilderness? God sets them free. They set up an idol. Idolatry. Hostility toward God. And what did God do? He wiped them out. 20,000 of them. 
Hostility toward God, the sinful nature causes us to be hostile toward God. When you engage in an activity or a behavior that is contrary to the spirit of God and the word of God, it's because you are living in a hostility to God. That's the reason you do it. You're not doing it just simply, it's not just simply an addiction. You have a hostility toward God, a rebellion in your heart that drives you away from God's law. So it's hostile toward God. There's inner turmoil. The hostility in the people in Rome was manifested by their idolatry. We can read about that if you go back to Romans chapter 1. It says they began to serve and worship created things rather than the creator. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, the Bible says, made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. And what did their idolatry lead to? immorality interesting it is isn't it interesting the amount of immorality in our world today do you know why the amount of immorality is the way it is is because there's so much idolatry where we have forsaken God we have rebelled against God's law his revelation and then we wonder why there's no purity in our world or peace there's no peace James 4.4 says, Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Now, what does he mean by a friend of the world? He's saying where you begin to be a lover of yourself, you're a lover of money, you're boastful, you're proud, you're abusive in your behavior, in your speech, you're disobedient to your parents, you're ungrateful, you're unholy. Read the whole list in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's all there. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Well, let's move on. You cannot submit to God's law. The sinful nature does not submit to God's law because it rejects it. It also cannot please God. There's no way the sinful nature can please God. And it desires what is contrary to the spirit what is contrary to the spirit. So how do we gain victory? We gain victory over the sin nature by obeying the spirit. Whatever that God says in his word is what you and I should be doing as believers. But we don't do it to gain peace with God. We do it because we have peace with God. Remember we talked about the initiation. The initiation is therefore being justified by faith Declared righteous by faith, I have peace with God. Now that I have this peace with God, I want to maintain it, and I want to grow in the peace of God. And I grow in the peace of God by obeying the Spirit of God. And I obey the Spirit of God by doing what God says in His Word. Very clearly, what He tells me I need to do. The Spirit of Christ living in us, listen to this carefully, the Spirit of Christ living in us will stop all practices that displease God. See, you cannot say you've been justified by faith and you have peace with God and not continue on in the peace of God and engage in practices that displease the Lord. Because the Bible clearly says the mind, those who have their minds set on the sinful nature, 
desire what that nature desires. But if my mind has been changed by the power of God, now I want to obey the Spirit of God. See, I have a new life. Look again in Romans chapter 8. Look in verses 8 and 9. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. So being controlled by the Spirit of God. So what do we do? We discontinue the practices we once engaged in. What were those practices we once engaged in? Well, let me just look at Colossians chapter 3 quickly. In Colossians chapter 3, listen to this. He says, put to death. Put to death. In other words, have a funeral for these things in your life. What are they? He says, whatever belongs to your earthly nature or your sinful nature, we are to put them to death and have a funeral. Sexual immorality, put it to death in your life. Why? It displeases God. Impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, he said. Before you were justified, that's how you lived. Now that you are justified and you have peace with God, you don't do those practices. You discontinue those practices you once engaged in. That's what he's telling us. You quit them. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self. I've been justified. The old self is gone. And have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge of its creator. Now listen to this carefully. Whenever a product or a service is discontinued, you don't have access to it anymore. Let me give you an example. Uh, go out online and try to buy a, an airline ticket for Pan Am. You won't be able to do it. You know why? Pan Am is no longer in existence. You can't get a ticket from Pan Am Airlines. They went bankrupt. They're no longer in existence, so you discontinue that practice because it's not there anymore. You can no longer buy electronics from Circuit City. Circuit City used to be the number two electronics company behind Best Buy, but Circuit City went bankrupt in 2008. Circuit City is no longer in operation. They went bankrupt. You can no longer rent a DVD from Blockbuster because Blockbuster filed bankruptcy in 2010 and it's been replaced by Netflix and other digital services. When we discontinue the old practices of the sinful nature, listen carefully, when we discontinue the old practices of the sinful nature, it will go bankrupt just like these other businesses. It'll be out of business. It has no capital with which to work in our lives. The sin nature, though, is a little different than a business that goes bankrupt because usually it can't come back. But the sin nature, it has to die a thousand deaths. It has to be killed again and again. We need to perform a thousand funerals to remind us that the sin nature has died. 
The nature you nourish is the one that grows. The nature you starve is the one that dies. So let me ask you a question, a couple of questions. Are there any old practices in your life that you have not discontinued since becoming a believer? Are there old practices that you continue to nourish and wonder why you don't experience the peace of God? Christ in us brings righteousness into our lives. The Spirit of Christ is holy. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to live inside believers. The Holy Spirit, if we have the Spirit of Christ, we have a desire to please God, just as Jesus pleased God when he was here in the flesh. Well, let me move on. The believer experiences the peace of God by humbly seeking God in prayer. When I recognize I'm powerless, and I need the Lord. In Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Our anxiety leaves, has to leave when I bring it before the Lord. And it says, in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God becomes a shield, as it were, that cannot be penetrated by the scud missiles of the enemy. You remember the scud missiles in Desert Storm. They shot the scud missiles, and what did we do in America? We shot the Patriot missile that intercepted the Scud missile. That's what God does for us when we bring it before him in prayer. He sends the Patriot missile up to intercept the lies of the enemy, the anxiousness from the enemy, and he gives us peace. I'm reminded of the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let me give you the last one quickly. The last one is glorification into the eternal peace of God. We started off this sermon reading a verse from Isaiah 32, 17 which says the fruit of righteousness will be peace. This reference in Isaiah 32 is talking about the millennial kingdom. Now, let me just say, when Jesus comes back to the earth, takes his church, he's going to set up a millennial kingdom on the earth. The Bible tells us that. And when he does that, there will be an, a peace that is on this earth like we've never known before. There will be absolute perfect peace when the King of Kings comes and rules this world. Remember little Opie? Little Opie's life was lived under an unrighteous ruler, the bully. Much of Israel's life had been lived under an unrighteous ruler, 
They were living under one bully after another. But here's what it says in Isaiah 32, 1. See, a king will reign in righteousness. And that's the thing that brings peace. A king will reign in righteousness and rulers will rule with justice. We have never seen that. Ever. And we won't until the king of kings, the prince of peace comes and he rules in the millennial kingdom in righteousness and brings peace. He says, justice will dwell in the desert. Righteousness live in the fertile field. The fruit of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. There will be so much peace, the Bible tells us. Do you know what is going to happen even in the animal kingdom? They're going to get along, all the animals. It says in Isaiah 11, the wolf will live with the lamb. Have you ever seen that? The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. A little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. It's a peace that we've never seen before. And we will experience that peace when God comes and sets up his kingdom. That's what we have to look forward to. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. As you do for a moment, let me ask you, does your confidence for today, your hope and peace for tomorrow rest on a sure foundation? Where's your security lie? Is it in your bank account? Is it in your education? Is it in your career? Or is your security in the fact that you have been justified, you have been declared righteous by God, and you have peace with God? That's where my security is. It's not even in my good works. It's in the work of Christ and what he did for me on the cross. You see, what Isaiah is trying to communicate is that true security and peace are the byproducts of righteous living. If you and I want to experience the peace of God, it will come as I have been justified by God and now I'm allowing the Spirit of God to lead me and guide me in my life. And I live in obedience to the Spirit of God. And this righteous living is made possible through the gift of God's Spirit. We didn't have time to look at it, but later in Isaiah 32, it talks about God pouring out His Spirit. And when He pours out His Spirit, the righteousness of God comes, and the peace of God is the result. Are you in a battle between the flesh and the Spirit right now? Are there some things in your life that you need to discontinue that you know is not pleasing to the Lord. First of all, do you have peace with God? 
If you were to die today, do you have peace with God? Do you have the secure knowledge to know that you would spend eternity with God? And what are you basing that on? It has to be based on the righteousness of Christ, that we have accepted the righteousness of Christ by faith. And then we continue to experience the peace of God as we bring all of our burdens, all of our anxiety to the Lord. And one day, we'll experience glorification where the peace of God, His kingdom will be a kingdom of peace. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and for my sin. And I, as a little boy, recognized I was a sinner. And I said, God, I'm powerless. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need your righteousness to make me a new person. I didn't understand all that when I was a little boy. But I understand it more now. And maybe you're here today as a seeker and you're like, you know, this doesn't quite yet make sense to me. Would you just continue to come and open your heart to the Word of God so the Spirit of God can speak to you? And I think Christmas time is a wonderful time where the Spirit of God works in great ways. So I'm glad you're here. You're not here by accident. And I'm thankful that God brought each of us here today. If you have questions about how you can have a personal relationship with Christ, would you see me afterwards? I'd be glad to talk with you, share with you, pray with you. That's why we're here. We're all broken people. We all need the Lord. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.